This special 4th of July episode of the Blue Hawaii Podcast is brought to you by Homebrew in Paradise. Homebrew in Paradise. If you're celebrating 4th of July and think, I could use more cold beer, Mm -hmm. you should get on down to Homebrew in Paradise. Now, can you make it same day? No. It may take you a couple weeks. However... Frequent listeners of the show may have heard this commercial before. And they, if they would have, would have started it yeah. several weeks before, yeah. they could have some cold beer. Yeah, perhaps celebrate 4th of July with a little red, white, and brew. Homebrew in Paradise, 740 Moa Street, Kali Kai. Mention the Blue Hawaii Podcast. Get 10% off all starter kits and recipes. Homebrew in Paradise. Blue Hawaii Podcast. Blue Hawaii. What if I told you that President Trump's grandfather unsuccessfully petitioned the government of Bavaria not to deport him and his family. What if I told you the first lady of the United States came here on a tourist visa and worked illegally as a model? What if I told you Stephen Miller's great-grandfather flunked his naturalization test and had to beg to stay in the United States? What if I told you that Tommy, speak English, we are a nation of laws, Laren, had a great-great-great-grandfather who was indicted for forging his naturalization papers? What if I told you that the 1930 census says that Tommy's three times great-grandmother had been here for 41 years and still spoke German, or that her second great-grandmother had been here 10 years and spoke no English? What if I told you that White House Chief of Staff John Kelly, who said that today's immigrants are not people that would easily assimilate because they're rural, unskilled, and don't speak English, had a great-grandfather who came here from Italy, lived here 18 years without becoming a citizen, worked as a day laborer, and didn't speak a word of English? What if I told you that, unless you're 100% Native American or Native Hawaiian, or your ancestors came here on a slave ship, at least somebody in your family tree immigrated to the United States, probably without papers? What if I told you that seeking asylum is not a crime under international law? What if I told you that crimes that carry the same penalties as first offense illegal entry into the United States include knowingly and for profit using the name Smokey Bear? or fraudulent misuse of the 4-H club emblem. What if I told you that first-time illegal entry into the United States is a misdemeanor, but lying on or omitting materially relevant information from your SF-86, as Jared Kushner did multiple times by his own admission, is a felony? What if I told you it's possible to humanely and responsibly manage immigration without stealing and torturing people's children? What if I told you no immigrant has taken a job from a, quote, real American? You were laid off by a capitalist who took advantage of that immigrant to increase his profits, and nothing makes him happier than to hear that you're an idiot who's actually mad at the immigrant and not him. What if I told you that there was no border crisis, but instead an ongoing scheme to keep GOP vase voters whipped up and afraid of scary brown people? By labeling preteens as MS-13 gangsters. What if I told you that defense contractors in private prisons are making millions of dollars off literal concentration camps in the United States? What if I told you that those corporations were funneling that money back into political contributions to maintain the status quo? What if I told you that congressional Republicans are counting on you being distracted by your outrage so that they can cut your health care, SNAP benefits, and Social Security? What if I told you that the New York Times decided not to publish an agreed-to on-the-record podcast interview with Stephen Miller? the architect of the family separation policy because the White House said it made them uncomfortable, showing the media's highest priorities are maintaining access to power and faux civility. What if I told you that the same family values people who call themselves pro-life and say all lives matter and children deserve a mother and a father don't actually give a shit about what happens to these kids and these families? What if I told you that when people say, this is not who we are, They're forgetting that countless Japanese Americans in Hawaii on the mainland have relatives who were interned or were interned themselves. Native American children were abducted and forced into English boarding schools hundreds of miles from their families. Parents, children, siblings were all ripped apart from each other and sold into chattel slavery. This is not new. 
And just because it's happening at the border doesn't mean we aren't affected or responsible for the policies being carried out by our government. They're doing this in the name of our security with our tax dollars. What if I told you that if you don't speak up, you're complicit? Yeah. We often hear Holly meaning white person in a negative connotation, but is a perfectly good word. It means foreign introduced to foreign origin or foreign introduction. So in Hawaiian, anyone or anything that is not native to Hawaii is Haole. I'm Leilani Poliahu, Ahui Ho. Haole, Haole, Welcome to the Blue Hawaii Podcast. I'm Josh Michaels. And I'm Ryan Little. We got a great show for you today. Happy 4th of July. 4th of motherfucking July. Uh, happy birthday, America. Uh, you've had better years. Not our best year. <laughs> so we have a very special treat for you today. We want to share a story with you. An American story. An American dream. The most American dream. Yeah. Literally the... American dreamiest story. The epitome of everything we tell ourselves in our self-narrative about what America should be. Uh, we're going to meet a real life example of that. Our dear friend Shingai Masia is here. He is going to share his own personal immigration story. Uh, and we think you're going to love it. Um, so everybody be safe, uh, spend time with your families. Um, hope you didn't ruin your fourth with a fifth on the third. No. Nice. I like that. Thank you. Um, reflect on, and you know, for those of us who are lucky enough to be born here and take that for granted, uh, maybe reflect on that a little bit. I think. Shingai's story goes to uh, so many issues that cut to the heart of everything we're dealing with right now. Yeah. Uh, specifically regarding immigration, uh, regarding how we treat people generally, and just like just like morality. Yeah. Like he's just an example of everything we want our country to be, and he provides a nice contrast to the fear narrative that you hear all the time from state-sponsored Fox News. Mm-hmm. And he didn't have to, he didn't even have to renounce his MS-13 membership. <laughs> have you ever so bad thought? Joke, bad joke. Have you ever thought? Just parting thought. Sure. What if instead of Trump taking his cues from Fox, what if he's giving Fox the info to say? It's definitely a feedback loop. Like if you watch Fox and Friends, like I think he's feeding. They're them constantly info. trying to be. You, they're striving to be in sync with each other and then especially like the Hannity shows the opinion shows Judge Jeanine they're striving to be in sync with the White House so it's maybe maybe thinking of it as like one directional arrow is the wrong way to th- it's like a which is I feel like what people have said it's like, like a oh, yin and yang listening no, it's, to Fox and Friends it's like, like no, a no, yin no. and yang sort of thing they're, they're enmeshed well they're totally I hope enmeshed. that Fox and Friends will pick up this story and talk to the president about how good of a person Shingai is and how we should do immigration reform because Truly, as you said, he's the epitome of everything we want this country to be. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, Shingai Masia. Blue Hawaii Podcast. Blue Hawaii. Blue Hawaii. Welcome back to the Blue Hawaii Podcast. Our guest this morning joining us in the basement is our dear friend Shingai Masia. Shingai is originally from Harare, Zimbabwe, and he moved to the United States when he was 13 years old. He attended Hawaii Pacific University, where he studied political science, and he currently works for the U.S. House of Representatives, but he's here in his strictly personal capacity, Shingai the man, not Shingai the employee. He also sits on the board of Ohana Computers and is the co-founder of Aloha Dream Team, which is an immigration rights organization here in Hawaii. Shingai, welcome to the program, man. Thank you, Josh. Thank you, Ryan. I'm so glad that we're able to do this. I know we've been working on this for a couple of months, but uh, I'm yeah. glad to be in the basement. Oh, thanks, when, we, when we first started doing this, I immediately thinking like who would be interesting to talk to like we got to get shingai down here yeah before we were a show 
peddling politicians speeches during election season we were a show about interesting people and yeah. you sir and you are, are a very interesting you're one of the most interesting people i know well guys i'm i am so grateful thank you for having me yep. and thank you for all the kind words i appreciate that would you mind uh sharing your a little bit of your story with our listeners yeah sure um just briefly and then maybe we can dive into more of the questions Perfect. later but um yeah so uh like josh mentioned earlier um I'm from Harare, Zimbabwe, born in, born in Harare. Um, I moved to the United States when I was uh, 13 years old. I moved to Dallas, Texas. Um, kind of growing up in Dallas, going through high school there, um, there's something that I realized when I was 16 years old was when I went to DMV, trying to get a license like everybody else who was 16, um, I ran into a question of Social Security. Um, and I thought, you know, hey, guys, where's the Social Security? They need this number. Uh, come to find out later that um, I was undocumented in the country, right? And uh, obviously, this was just heartbreaking for me because, um, you know, at 16, I just wanted to drive, just wanted to be like everybody else. You know, I was an athlete at the time, and it was just so heartbreaking. And I don't think it was up until I was 18 or 17 when I was graduating from high school that I actually realized uh, my situation. Yeah. It became real. Um, what made you, you realize it? Um, you're planning to go to college, right? And this is, I graduated from high school in 03. And in 03, not too many people were talking about the Dream Act and Dreamers. Oh, and yeah. Dreamers yeah. didn't really come out this and is like tell their stories. George yet. W. Bush's second term yeah. going is when things started really. Yeah. Okay. And well, the economy was good then too. So like no one hates immigrants and the economy is good. True. And uh, a lot of people might not know this, but in 01, yeah. in September, just before... Uh, September 11, there was actually efforts to bring about immigration reform. So as y'all know, George Bush was the governor of Texas. Mm -hmm. um, um, he's got some relatives, I guess, who are from Mexico too. And um, yeah, Jeb Bush's wife is Mexican, right? Yeah, yeah, that's true. And I think Laura Bush might have some connection to Mexico. Interesting. Um, uh, you might want to verify that and check that. But yeah, so, you know, um, in 03, people weren't talking about this. It wasn't a major issue. Um, growing up when I was 16, I felt as if I was the only one in the nation who was in this situation. So it was a very, very lonely feeling yeah. for me. Stress, uh, depression, just oh, yeah. heart, there's a lot to deal with. Oh, yeah. And uh, we'll get into that later because, um, yeah, I, I just... I just felt as if I was the only one. I felt suffocated. I couldn't share it with anybody. There was no release. I can, you know, I can talk about it anywhere. So basically, uh, signing up for college, I'd sent out a bu bunch of applications out. I was talking to about three schools because I was going to go play college football at these schools. And what position did you play? I played cornerback in high school. So basically, that started me at receiver, and um, I had no hands whatsoever. Well, you can knock that shit down. <laughs> what? Uh, <laughs> exactly. That's what, why they uh, moved yeah. me to corner. What schools were you were you talking to? So there was some schools in Kansas that I was uh, going to attend. There was one in Missouri too that I was going Jucos to attend. Or um, there were smaller schools. Um, I know like Garden City is in, Garden City, Kansas has a, a really big, yeah. uh, has a huge community college there that's produced a number of football studs. Yeah, and there's another school called Bethel College too that I was going to attend. And, you know, so I had some options. The thing with me being first, you know, immigrant here, you know, um, you just didn't know any better. Like I took the ACTs on the very last try you could because mm -hmm. I just didn't know, you know, I didn't know how to maneuver the whole recruiting thing. So I kind of did it on my own. 
you know, had I done a better job, I probably could have ended up somewhere else. But um, that was the situation. So I applied. Um, I got rejected at every everywhere I looked because they're like, where's your social security number? So I couldn't attend. Um, so um, I sat at home, basically, guys. Um, the couch that you're on right now, I woke up and just sat on the couch and did absolutely nothing. Uh, this was an extremely difficult time in my life. Uh, talk about depression. Yeah. Talk about just feeling like nothing. Um, knowing that you could do so much more, but just because of your situation that you, you know, I had no part in this, you know, I didn't know about anything about the immigration process, mm -hmm. but um, yeah, I just woke up and did absolutely nothing for a year. And you saw people playing that I played with in high school from various schools in my institution, uh, Creekview High School playing on Saturday. And um, it was just heartbreaking. Um, so after about a year, I did some research and what had happened was uh, Rick Perry of all people, had signed what you call a Noriega bill, which was basically an in-state tuition bill. So if you're undocumented, you could actually sign up for colleges in Texas. I can't imagine that bill would pass now. Thank you very much. Cause that's what I'm saying. I'm like, where has Texas gone? Cause what, in the last year or two, Texas was actually trying to repeal that bill. Here you were pioneers, yeah. like actually doing something. Rick great. Perry, that far left liberal <laughs> squish, right? Exactly. So, you know, so I found out about that, and then I signed up for a uh, community college in Dallas. Uh, went to Brookhaven there for a while, took a couple of classes. Um, but let me tell you a quick story about that. Um, yeah. One of my government classes, first day of class, um, professor's introducing himself and whatnot. I mean, we kind of go around the room, names and all that, then the professor's turn, and he's like, yeah, um, so I work for INS, and you know, and this and this and that. I help, you know, with interview processes. I help, you know, and I'm like, oh my gosh. You got to think about where my mind was at yeah. that time. I was like, this guy is here for me. You know what I'm saying? He's not sure. here to teach yeah. the government class. He's here for me. Immigration and Naturalization Service, right? Yes. That, the, what did, they became? Or? They became USCIS. USCIS, okay. Yeah, so under Homeland Security after 9-11, uh, I think in 03, like it all got branded under Homeland Security. So I went home, guys, and I wept. I didn't know what I was going to do. I was like, finally, I found a way. Yeah. You know, I'm now taking classes, kind of feel as if I'm apart with everybody else. And this guy shows up, and I didn't want to go back to school because I thought he was there for me. Um, ended up talking to some people, and they said, technically, he can't do that. So there's another thing, me being an immigrant, not knowing too much, yeah. the rights and everything. Sure. Every turn, you got to constantly look over your shoulder, constantly... Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, so I continued going to school there. And then there was a school in Abilene, Texas. Abilene Christian? Texas. Yes. I applied there and they allowed me. They they accepted me. So I went to go play. Um, I was a student athlete. Shout at out Abilene ACU. Christian. Yes, ACU. My, uh, one of my best friends in high school, his mom uh, was a runner at Abilene Christian. Mm -hmm. And I, as I remember the story, she was the first woman in the United States to be awarded a full track scholarship. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah I believe that. And what's, if, their, what's their mascot? Uh, so we're, we're the Wildcats. Go Wildcats. Yeah. Perfect. Um, and if you want to win a ring in college, you go to ACU and you run track. Because the track team is like too international, legit. too legit. They take yeah. everybody out. I don't care if you're Florida State. I don't care who you are. ACU takes you out. They recruit so well. Yeah. So I was there. Uh, student athlete. Um, Conservative school. Very. 
So they're church up, of Christ oriented. Growing up in Texas, a lot of my best friends are hella conservative guys. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, Facebook came about when I was at ACU, like, oh, four-ish, oh, five-ish, you know, whatnot. And then that's when you kind of get to learn about yeah. who these best friends of you what are. What they really when think. When they start posting and you're like, yeah, come sure. on, man. We're yeah. like great oh, no, friends. No, Shingai, that's, that's not, not, you're different. You're different. We like you. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, you're one of the good immigrants. Exactly. Like, well, I didn't, nobody knew yeah. my story. I, I kept it tight. So I'm at ACU. One thing that you realize in college really quick when you're playing sports mm-hmm. is that, well, number one, you want to stick out because you want to stand out. You want you you to get recognized and everything. Um, this is what you call the media in college. So I had to think about this. I was like, do I really want to, you know, stand out or yeah. do I want to hide? And being in my situation, what we do is we hide in the shadows, right? And that's not a formula for success in college football. So I had to make a decision that year that I had to quit because I had so much on the line. I wasn't about to let, you know, one of my, you know, and football wasn't even a dream of mine. Like I just came to the States and I just so happened to be fast. You yeah. know, there was no rugby here. Was the, uh, Soccer was slow. I was say, what's the American football culture like in Zimbabwe? <laughs> absolutely zero but like people are like starting to love it now later on but like there's still no football yeah. in Zimbabwe so everybody supports the teams here and whatnot but like you know um growing up you know it's cricket I played cricket I played squash I ran track I played soccer played rugby um you know those are my sports yeah and so over here I just had the speed so they put me at wide receiver like I mentioned I couldn't catch and then they're like okay just swat the ball so it was easy make sure this guy doesn't touch the ball that was very simple so um so i did that so i ended up quitting at acu um came back to texas started taking more classes and i got involved in the immigration movement more when i went back the second time hence i had heard about senator dick durbin from illinois dream act bill in 01 when it first came out um so you know, just started to get more and more involved in that movement and what was going on around immigration. I think in 06 or 07, uh, George Bush tried again. Yeah, and there was um, the McCain the McCain bill, right? Yeah. yeah, so George Bush tried again and that failed at the time. I think Vicente Fox was still the president at the time of Mexico and, um, you know, that was just another blow that we had. And then uh, what ended up happening is um, in 2010, enough pressure had started to build up um, and more and more people started coming out with their stories and saying, hey, I'm undocumented and I'm here to stay. This is my home. This is where I grew up. I mean, I can't imagine for people that were here from like six months, you know, I came at 13, you know, but like for people that had been here at six months, come on, guys. Sure. Um, So uh, real quick, I mean, 2010, um, enough pressure had been built up by different organizations around the country. Nancy Pelosi puts it up during the lame duck session. Uh, so the Republicans were just about to take power, right, in 2011. Mm-hmm. It's tea, tea Party wave had just happened. Yeah, this was after the whole healthcare debacle and all that type stuff. And so Nancy Pelosi puts it up at the time when she was leader. Um, that passes the House and we're like, yes, perfect. And um, we thought we had the votes in the Senate. Um, so it goes to the Senate. And the guy that I monitor when it comes to the Dream Act and just immigration issues is Senator Dick Durbin from Illinois. Mm -hmm. I could see his 
the way he was pacing up and down the Senate floor, you know, he was going to go have conversations over there on were that side. Were you working in Congress at this time? No, I only started working in Congress two years ago. So why were you were in D.C. though for this vote? Um, yes. Are you watching on C-SPAN? I, I was in D.C., but I was watching it on C-SPAN. And at this time, I was like, from 01, I had fell, fallen in love with the political system in America because this was what my sophomore, junior year in high school. Yeah. I, Because I wanted to find out what needed to happen in order to change my situation and the millions of other people who I later discovered were exactly in my situation. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so I saw him pacing back and forth, you know, maybe he was trying to get a last minute convo, switch someone's vote or something, but we saw it going 50, 51, 52, 53, 54, 55, and it just stalled at 55. Um, and there's still some votes out there. So we're like, yeah, we can make 60 guys. We can make 60. And it just ended at 55. And it was probably the most painful, yeah, painful, painful defeat I've ever been through. And like, it was just a heartbreaking moment to know. That's when you realize the importance of one vote. Is there who, uh, does some at this time, that means some Democrats must have voted against it. Yeah. Exactly. Who was it? Do we want to name names? So, yeah, of course I'm going to name names. Yeah. Uh, at the time, those guys, most of them aren't even in office anymore. It was all, right. about, it was all about re-election. It was like Ben Nelson. He, got lo he lost. Yeah. Who did Kay, he lose Kay to? Higgins lost. from North Carolina. Yeah. She was one of them. And those three others, they, they're all gone. Oh, I hope your uh, moral conscious stand was worth it, guys. Right? I hope they still think about that. Oh, they're better. I hope... <laughs> Unfortunately, the thing, they don't have the burden of thinking about it, though. They're all working their they're, K Street jobs, making five million dollars a year. K Street lawyers now, yeah, they're making, yeah, they're making, or they're lobbyists, and <sighs> they're they're making tons of money. They don't have to think about it. It's people like you and like people, yeah, yeah. the average people. Those are the ones that have to think about it. So where'd you go from there? So from there, guys, I'm telling you, man, I I wept for days, man. It was just like we're five votes away. I mean, imagine knowing that you actually have the power if. I don't know. I'm just going to put myself in that situation. Obviously, they had re-election and watch out for and whatnot. But knowing that you could have, you could vote on something that is going to change millions of people's lives in a positive way. Yeah. And, and nobody's life and in a negative yes. way. And it's better for America overall. Yeah. Yes. And, you know, and you're about to walk through that door. You have an opportunity to walk through that door and you decide, no, I'm going to close that door and I'm not going to walk through. Yeah. So... It was just a painful time, guys. Yeah. So um, obviously, did that any was a Republicans sign onto that bill? I can't recall, but you know, I, I'm not sure if McCain did, because um, McCain's always been someone who's he never does the right thing. Us. It seems like yeah, he's a weird guy because like you know he talks as if he wants to be a maverick sometimes, and then sometimes he goes he off and does that. Ninety three percent with the party line. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I just don't get that. But anyways, so. Yeah, so that was just a hard time. And then there's a, there's a friend, uh, Jose Vargas. He came out with an article in the New York Times. This was in 2011. He comes out with a New York article and he basically outs himself. Yeah, I remember He says, this. I worked for ABC. I worked yeah. for Huffington Post. I worked throughout the 08 elections. I did this. I did that. And I had falsified my documents. And I'm looking and I'm like, whoa, dude, what are you doing, man? You're yeah. going to get like deported or something, man. But I think... I don't think people talk about this enough, but as far as the movement for dreamers, I think that article did wonders for us yeah. because I think that was like, you know what? Fuck this shit. We're going to, we're going to just out ourselves, come out of the shadows and be like, Hey, 
we're here and we're not going anywhere. And then that's when stuff started to rev up a bit. You yeah. know, you start getting more pressure on Obama for deferred action for child arrivals. And there's something you can do. And then the Obama administration was saying, no, no, no. I want people to be clear about this. Obama just didn't do this on his own. Yeah. There was a lot of pressure that was oh, yeah. added. Obama, he was a centrist no- technocrat. Yeah. Like, I mean, he he did so many things well. This but- is the this is the number one Fox News talking point right now. Is like, why weren't the liberals upset about the children cages when Obama? And yeah. and they they're not wrong, but it doesn't mean that for for what it's worth, it doesn't mean that they can now put those children in those same cages. It's wrong when everybody does it. No, it's, yeah, you know, truly, yeah, quite literally, all lives matter, yeah. as they might say. Yeah, exactly. Um. So at the time, a lot of pressure was being put on Obama administration to do something about this. And yeah. they were saying, no, no, no. And we're, people were saying, yeah, 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 yeah. And then more and more legal people started getting involved with the dreamers and saying, yes, there's something you can do about it. And then finally, what, June 15th, 2012, um, the announcement came. and Right in the middle of election year, too. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think people understand this, too. I mean, I think it was... Pretty close. It was like, okay, Romney could win this. Yeah, he, he was very much in striking distance. Yeah, striking you know what I'm saying? This was sure. before the 49% tape came out and all that jazz, right? So, yeah, that was, you didn't know. And I'm going to elaborate on that more. So, June 15th, 2012, announcement is made. The first applicants a- applications can be made August 15th, 2012. So, I and was part of that first wave. when you say the you're referring to uh, the DACA. Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, also known as DACA, which is, for our listeners out there who may not know, uh, the only thing that was standing in the way uh, of immediate deportation potential for millions of people uh, who are here undocumented through no fault of their own. Yeah, that, that, that's, that's correct. And... So I was part of the first wave that signed up in that August wave. And um, it was hard because that was August. That was the summer. Election was coming up November. So for me personally, a decision had to be made. And a decision had to be made for millions of other dreamers was, am I going to out myself to the government, give them the paperwork and everything? When Mitt Romney is saying that he's... He wants to self-deport, right? Yeah. That was his big thing. Like make life so miserable that all the yep. people choose to leave. Just just pick up and go back home. Yeah. So dreamers had to make a decision. Do I sign up for this now or do I wait until after the election to see if Obama wins or what am I going to do? For me, it came down to even if I could feel normal mm-hmm. for two or three months, it was worth me signing up for deferred action. Why? Because... We'd just been through so much. I mean, the depression we talk about. I mean, people like to talk about the numbers today, the 800,000 and whatnot. I mean, these are human beings you're talking yep. about. Um, the only country a lot of them have ever known. Yeah. A lot of people have taken their lives over this. Yeah. A lot of people have tried to harm themselves. Um, it It's a serious issue. And for me, I just wanted to feel normal just for those two months, if it was going to be two months, if it was going to be three months, however long it was going to be. When you say feel normal, what is the what is the abnormal feeling like? I don't, just not wanted. Like at every turn, you're trying to do your best. And it's like, no, because you don't have this piece of paper. It's like, no. I mean, we go back to DMV. When I'm 16, beginning of the story, right? I just, we, want to, I just want to drive. I just want to be like every other normal 16-year-old. Yeah. 18. I just want to go to college. Yeah. No. Um, so there's a lot of no's. I just want to apply for a job. Yeah. 
and not have e-verify catch me and be like hey no um you popped up in our system and you know no good so yeah it'd been you know there's there are a lot of no's in our lives you know and that's just difficult for anybody to take right but the one thing that i'm grateful for i mean we might touch on this later is that um you learned how to survive mm -hmm. in a different way so if anything were to happen to me i'm gonna know how to survive yeah, sure you know, I, yeah. I became an entrepreneur at a very young age i started uh, two small businesses at a very young age but immigrants are lazy and take all our welfare and then steal our jobs somehow at the no, same time I, I think he people... didn't say that he wasn't on welfare stealing our jobs josh <sighs> that could have been an american entrepreneur that started that business <laughs> Yeah, so, you know, and we don't pay taxes, we don't contribute, nothing. I mean, at this Which rate... Which is all bullshit. At this rate, we're contributing to Social Security, and we're never going to be able to get any yeah. of it. We're basically just, you know... Well, to um, be fair to everyone else, though, Josh and I are contributing to Social Security, and we're never going to be able to get it either. Okay. We'll see. <laughs> um, uh, you know, uh, taxes, mm -hmm. all this. I mean, people talk... I mean, the three main ways that most Americans pay taxes is income income tax, sales tax, and property taxes. And I guarantee you that tons of immigrants pay that. I mean, yeah. here in Hawaii and around, around the nation, we're contributing. Yeah. And so, you know, I learned to be resourceful, and which was good. So I, I know how to survive. Um, and if you were to ask me, you know, about my story and would I change anything about it, maybe at 16, I would have been like, hell yeah, give me, my, give me a green card. Let me move on with my life, you yeah. know? But I think about this pretty often, and I'm like, I'm actually grateful for this journey. I wouldn't change anything. Yes, obviously, I want me and multiple people, I mean, millions of people around the country to be on a path to citizenship and get it and move on with our lives. But would I change anything? Because I have learned so much about life. Yeah. I've learned so much about America. Yeah. I've learned Good so and much. Bad. Yeah. True. Um, mostly, you know, would say the bad, you know, and talk about, I mean, having discussions about things that people don't like to talk about. Mm -hmm. America. Yeah. Um, another thing is I've learned a lot about Shanghai Messiah. Yeah. Cause I've been pushed in so many different directions and I'm just grateful for the journey so far. And I'm just grateful to wake up every morning and have a new day and have a new opportunity just to move forward, right? But uh, let me go back to August. So I signed up in August 2012. Mm -hmm. um, I think it was October uh, 2012. I received this card in the mail. Well, I didn't know it was a card yet. I received this envelope in the mail. I opened it up and it was this card. And it was a work permit and how'd that feel oh my gosh i wept guys sorry there's a lot of I'm noticing emotions a theme. here man. Uh, it's, i, I yeah. mean i'm if you want to know something about i'm super sensitive i'm a sensitive guy okay. is, that, <laughs> is that a family thing or i don't know like, um, is your dad mom sensitive no, no i i just think there's nothing wrong with being sensitive no yeah, big, I'm, you know I'm, just, I'm a big softie he's bringing it out i'm just yeah, gonna, yeah, shoot. yeah i cry over you know. commercials sometimes <laughs> Yeah, I'm just a sensitive guy. I don't know where it came from, but, you know, that's Being a well-adjusted human, maybe? Yeah, yeah, maybe. You know, I'm just true to who I am, right? So, this card comes in the mail. I open it up, and I'm like, whoa, I just... I was there for an hour just looking at it. And to think that a little bitty card the size of your driver's license was about to change your life in so many ways. 
this thing that you wanted maybe back when you're 16 in order to move forward with your life when you're from time to time how old this, were you at this point by the way uh this point what this was 2012 i was just my late 20s i think so you had never been able to legally work until then yeah i got this card um and in october november 2012 and i swore to myself knowing everything that i had been through that i was gonna make the most out of the opportunity that i had with this card and from then on i've been like hey you know i'm going all out yeah every opportunity that i have i'm taking advantage of it and i'm just gonna push and push and push and push and make the most out of every situation so you know it, it brought me to hawaii years ago um um what brought you to hawaii i think i wanted to leave that chapter of my life alone texas's politics were changing too yeah in a way that a i toxic. didn't like yeah yeah um alabama's did the same thing that's yeah. where i'm from originally yeah yeah there was, it was changing um I mean, we thought we had it bad when Kay Bailey Hutchinson was senator, you know? She like, oh, man. Then now you got Ted Cruz. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, what the hell, right? Gotcha. So tell us about the work you're doing with Aloha Dream Team. Aloha Dream Team. Uh, so uh, three of us came together, Gabriela Andrade and uh, April uh, Bautista. Uh, we came together, I think it was in 2013. We came together. Um, growing up in Texas on the mainland, they had been, I'd been involved with dreamer organizations and here in hawaii we just didn't have a student-led or dream act type of organization so we came together and we're like you know what the bet who better to tell our stories than us yeah right so we came together and uh, formed aloha dream team and we'd been doing a lot of work around the dream act and immigration as a whole and uh, we're one of the groups that worked along with FACE uh, that brought about the driver's license bill that allows everybody, uh, regardless of citizenship, to get a driver's license here in Hawaii. And, uh, you know, um, we're here to tell the stories of, you know, dreamers. And um, in Hawaii, it's been a little difficult. Uh, we had partnered up with the good people at Hawaii Community Foundation and we got a grant through them so we did some work with volunteer legal services we did some work with Susanna Wesley we did some work with um, Pacific Gateway um, a couple other groups but um, we did some work trying to get more dreamers to sign up for the DACA program is and, this still during the Obama administration or is this now yeah this was during the Obama administration so we did a lot of work to try and get more dreamers out because the numbers in Hawaii were very low what do, you, what do we think? Uh, how many dreamers total would you estimate there are in Hawaii? I would say that there's in thousands, but the number that's out there is about 600, just north of 600, right? That seems really low. Yeah. yeah. And no, and we know that there's more dreamers out there. Um, I, it's just a tricky situation in Hawaii because you're outing, you know, it's outing the whole family. Hmm. Well, it's like that all over. I mean, you have to make that decision whether or not it's worth for you to come out and give the government your information or not so um unfortunately not as many people signed up people signed up um the word got out there for sure um but not enough people signed up and i think people just waiting for more of a permanent type of solution there's a couple of theories out there you know why is already a difficult place to kind of connect because 
you could say there's this circle and if you're not in the circle you're working two three four jobs in order to survive and so for a dreamer to out themselves and then probably end up in the same type of job that they're in right now or whatever is that worth outing yourself and worth outing your family too I mean, on the mainland, I think just because the opportun- there's more opportunities right. and you know whatnot, I think it's worth it there. But this is just a theory that I have. That Most people are stayed; lo- they're going to be stuck locked into their same like yeah, service yeah, industry, yeah. tourist I'm, I'm, industry yeah, job. This is probably where I'm going to be at, and you know, if Why I sign up, for, yeah. So that's very unfortunate because we'd like to see more people sign up because that shows that there's numbers out there in the program and that the program is a success- successful program, and which I think it is. I mean, I, you know, that's just my thoughts. What are your thoughts on the, the crisis at the border that the Trump administration's created? Um, I think first off, I would like to say that I think the media has kind of let Trump off the hook on a lot of issues. We do oh, too. yes. On a lot of issues. And I think they now maybe just woke up maybe two weeks ago or something. Because now you're starting to have the media say the president is putting out false information about this. Yeah. That is not true. Da, 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 da. So they're forcefully actually talking back against a lot of the talking heads, be it the DHS secretary, be it uh, Sarah Sanders or Sessions or mm-hmm. Trump himself or whatever. So they've realized, like, yeah. no matter how much civility, you know, we try to pretend everything is normal. That's not going to be reciprocated. So. Yeah. Um, you know, to answer your question, I mean, this is just sad, guys. Yeah. This is just inhumane. This is sad. And I think that this executive action has just actually strengthened their position, actually, because now you're now you're detaining people indefinitely. I mean, the whole family. Yeah. I, and I'll, I don't think a lot of people understand that. But then the biggest thing for me is how is DHS and DHHS going to reunite these families? Because there's reports out there that say that some of these people were separated and, you know, there's no matching numbers. Yeah, how do we track the connect. kids to the parents? Yeah. Judges in immigration court have said, like, no, there's not even a receipt. Like, these kids don't even get a slip well, of paper. Well, if you take a six-month-old away from his parents, it's not, you know, and they don't mm-hmm. see each other for another six months. Who knows what the kid's going to look like? Who knows? I mean, he can't say, oh, my last name is, you know, uh, yeah. Villanueva. It's they like they can't speak. They yeah. can't speak. I mean, they, there's they don't no even know to, their own name. There's no way to verify it. Exactly. So, <laughs> I don't know. I, I think more pressure needs to be put to make sure that each and every single one of these what twenty three hundred. Yeah. It might even be more than that. Kids are reunited with their families. And another thing is, at the end of the day, guys, we need immigration reform. Mm-hmm. We need to reform the system. Um, because it's not working. The system's totally broken. Um, we could get into a whole nother segment about, you know, when, when Trump became president uh, on Obama's way out, he had he stopped the policy of private prisons, right? And whatnot, working with private prisons. And Jeff Sessions, one of his first acts is yep. that. And <laughs> I mean, this is a whole inside game thing, yeah. man. I mean, they're just... I don't want to go there because it upsets me so much. The, the whole thing is just a big scandal. Know. Yeah. Well, disgrace. So, yeah. What are you doing these days? I mean, you're working with Aloha Dream. Uh, what else is What else is your life up to these days? You seem like you've done a lot of interesting things. Yeah. These days, um, I'm focusing on my job, my day job. Um, there's a lot of work to be done there. Are we allowed to say who you work for? 
Yeah, you could. Okay. I guess. Yep. So Shingai works for uh, Congressional District 2, U.S. Representative Tulsi Gabbard. Yep. And um, I'm the immigration staffer here based in the district office, so I handle the immigration portfolio. Um, um, so I'm doing that. Um, as far as in the state, yep. you know, I, I'm always interested in campaigns. I love campaigns. I love the strategy behind it, yeah. that's really my world. I like that part. So but, you, you mentioned you fell in love with US, or you had fallen yeah, in love with US back politics. In, back when I was a teenager, yeah. you know, and I love just the way it all works and everything, right? Any and, campaigns you're watching uh, with an excited eye right now? I'm watching a lot. I don't want to mention which ones, because this year is tricky. Cause it is tricky. This year, a lot of good people. A lot of, a lot of good people, a lot of talent out there, a lot of people with a good heart. And all running for the same shit. <laughs> Sorry. And a, and a lot of them are friends too. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a small town. Yeah. So it's, you gotta, you know, that's true. Your boss is in an election right now. True. We yeah. don't have to talk about it. The less it. said about I, that, the better. No, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, I mean, yeah, you every, mentioned, yeah, every yeah. two years uh, she has to run. It's a so, busy time. Yeah. So it's just a busy time all the way around. I mean, so it's going to be interesting to see how there's going to be a lot of change, Yeah. which way that change is going to go. Um, We'll wait and see. I, I think we'll have a better picture August 11th um, when the primary is over. Uh, but there's a lot of interesting races. Obviously, watching the governor's race really closely. I'm watching CD1 because I live in CD1 uh, really closely. Um, so my girlfriend just moved here from North Dakota. So she's relatively new to the state. Um, so you know i thought you were just making her up whenever you told us about her no no it's like no. oh my girlfriend lives in canada you'll never meet her <laughs> she's very much real <laughs> um yeah so she you know we discuss these things and obviously i have no vote uh but she does so you know we have some discussion about that yeah. so um it's just really gonna be interesting i think that you know right now in cd1 is pretty interesting you've got donna out there in the lead i think is what it looks That's like right uh, Senator Mercado, uh, she's out there in the lead, and then you kind of have everybody else trying to catch up. So yeah. I think right now Chen is, is within, for those of you listening at home, that is former Attorney General, current Lieutenant Governor Doug Chen, uh, who she's running against, who is, I believe, 10 points down to her at last poll, is what we saw. So, uh, then, of course, uh, striking distance. Yeah. All right. So for you mentioned you don't have a vote. Um, I think a lot of people would wonder who, who aren't familiar with the process of uh immigration and specifically with what the dreamers go through are you trying to naturalize are you trying to get citizenship the thing is with daca you can't so daca is a program that's really just good for two years so every two years you're signing back up for another two years but daca has been rescinded hasn't it no it's kind of it's been in the court systems and you know there's a lot of confusion of where it is because it's moved so many times there's been so many shifts but it's still there so you can't sign up as a new person you can't sign up for daca but right your now but like you can closed. renew yeah you can renew for now but texas and a couple of other states are suing uh, uh you know uh the, the trump administration of course they are and uh, uh jeff sessions uh has said that he will not defend so we'll see. But wasn't how. he just saying, you know, trust the laws yeah, of the, government? The laws on the book are ordained by the government, established by God, right? It's almost as if. Guys, the scariest thing for me 
um just yeah. having dealt with jeff sessions yeah. and just knowing his background for so many years from an immigration point of view was him becoming ag was a nightmare for yeah. a lot of us immigration people for a lot of us who aren't documented it was a nightmare i mean like yeah. what does it say about us that we put in a like a probably I mean, basically a like undercover klansman yeah. is well, our look who we elected chief look who we elected law president. enforcement look officer at, you can say that about literally anybody who works for the guy but i mean okay trump i think trump is well if trump was an undercover anything it's probably a nazi whereas like sessions is like an unreconstructed Klansman. he's like legitimate like he's from the area like one of the most racist areas of alabama in southern alabama specifically the mobile area super there's a lot of racial stuff down mm -hmm. there it's very segregated like when i say i mean like a lot of black communities don't have reliable power and water like that's where the human rights watch went to and was like this is like third world conditions that's where he's from and he's fine with it and he thinks that they deserve that and we then were like you'll be the guy that is going to enforce all of our laws fairly aren't you yeah. it's like screw that guy and real quick yesterday i think nikki haley got into it with someone uh, there at the un about the question about poverty in the u.s came up and yeah. she basically shrugged it off like poverty in the u.s you know what you're talking about she's yeah. like i'm i'm wealthy i don't i don't <laughs> know anything about poverty there's no poverty here uh, you know yeah so jeff sessions and then um uh Steve, uh, Stephen Miller. He's a uh, part of a uh, literal Nazi. He's from. He worked for Sessions. Yeah, yeah. So you know, yeah. and forget then, the fact that his parents, uh, his great grandparents, you know, flunked. Jews fleeing the pogroms. Now, yeah. like, and then you had to report that uh, the granddad flunked yeah. the citizenship exactly. test or something he like did. that. Yeah. So yeah, Jesus. Um, yeah. So basically, you can't get naturalized so, right now. No, we can't because there's no path. So a lot of people, I can tell real quick when someone understands the immigration issue by what they say. The first couple of words that come out of their mouth when they say, well, why don't you just get in line? Why don't you come here legally? There is no line. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there is no line. That's what we're trying to do here is actually get some form of a pathway. This is it. Well, so what would it be? You would have to, the, the current, if you wanted to quote, get in line, you'd have to go back to Zimbabwe and then hope that when you reapplied, for, that you, if you well, applied for a visa, that they wouldn't hold it against you. Well, first off, I'd be barred for ten years. The way that the rules are, I wouldn't be able to come back into this country. For so you 10 have to years. stay away for ten years, yep. and then you would have to reapply, and then get in that line. Well, that's even if the U.S. Embassy and Harare would even like let me back. It's all it's all so totally then, at their discretion. So then you would have to um, go to Zimbabwe, hope that they let you back in your in your country of origin, wait another ten years. And then reapply, and then hope that they don't hold it against you that you were in the country as an undocumented person for yeah, it, it's, twenty years. Yeah, so it's basically a you know we're just kind of waiting out right to see if the laws here change because the alternative of going back, I mean, this is this is home, right? Yeah. I mean, the alternative of going back and then applying after ten years, twenty. I mean, you know. It's it's just a non-starter, but you know, that's why we need immigration reform. And I can tell real easily when I'm having a conversation with people when they're saying get in the line, do things the proper way, and all that because there's just no path. So we're fighting for a path. But just to elaborate on that too, do I have faith in immigration reform ever happening? 
it's hard to say i'm now, a pretty but... positive guy yeah but you know people have been trying for decades yeah. now to reform the immigration system and if we can't even if we can't even tackle the dream act which is probably the most it's the one component where i think there's more support than any other component if we can't even fix that i mean we're talking about i heard about the dream act in 2001 yeah we're in 2018 by the time i graduated from high school in 03 i was like this will be done we're in 2018 and we're still talking about the dream act from 2001 so if we can't even fix this component how we able get, how we able to get a, uh, get consensus on e verify on h one b two visas on 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 border uh, on the border and getting security and some type of wall or whatever they want to do out there how are we going to be able to get all these other pieces that are <laughs> where there's not enough support around but on the dream act there is I'm sorry guys but like yeah. I just don't see this I, being I personally I I think it's going to happen. I think well I think the Democrats flip the house in November. I think they take back the Senate in 20 and then I think there's a Democratic president elected and that's going to be what they try to ride in on. It's that's like, the optimistic take. No, and I mean well the same I mean that's what not needs to, to, happen. to be the optimist to yeah. to play God's advocate to Shingai. Uh <laughs> We did the same thing with healthcare. I mean, and to be fair, that's been uh, under attack for the last uh, three years. But We're trying since World War Two to. Yeah. But we did it. I mean, yeah. it took a it took a while. We did a, a centrist, technocratic, half-assed version that's full of holes and problems. And and quite honestly, that probably led to some of the valid criticisms against it, rather than just doing a single payer system yeah. when we had both houses and, of Congress um, and the votes. But I think it'll happen. And unfortunately, no, Ryan, we see. I I agree with you, yeah. and I think it's. We're gonna need a situation like 08. Yeah, exactly. It's not we're, happening. It's not happening under Trump. We're gonna need a Democratic president. We're gonna need Democratic Senate and Democratic House. Supermajority too, probably. Yes. And as and long as the functionally the Stephen Miller, see, the I, Stephen I, Miller, I, Steve Bannon, Steve King wing of the GOP, which is only like five percent of the American population, essentially retains a veto over all immigration law. But the thing is, I don't think it's gonna matter because they retain the veto because of the 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 2010 wave. It's like that's their, for want of a better term, that's their trump card. Is well, look what happened whenever you guys went against us. So it's like if in eighteen, if it if it rides back the other direction, which it will because it always does, like all of a sudden they've lost their influence, and you've got guys who are trying, who are already against those types of policies. You've got your Jeff Flakes, you've who's leaving, but you've got guys like that who are like closet moderates now, who are like, all right, I'll play ball. And they'll make the morality argument, and all of a sudden, no, all they're, on the, they're well. on the way out. They can't but play there's, ball. But they there's they more won't of them. There's more guys. I mean, no. everybody in Congress that's a Republican essentially hates Trump outside of a handful of people. Like nobody, nobody in there other than his like ultra loyalists are like drinking the juice. It's everybody's everybody, scared about everybody getting felt- primaried, and everybody's scared about losing their job. Yeah. And if you show them that you're going to lose your job unless you get on board with our policy, they'll, they'll fall in line. Well, especially in the house. In the house, though. All they have to worry about is their primary voters, who are the most rabid anti-immigrant of all. But even the House is losing people. I mean, they're losing to Democrats. Like they've been losing. Well, they've we'll been... see. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. I'm glad some other people are more optimistic than I am. Um, the optimist. I, I think. I think. Can... I think for 18, we need a message too. What is the Democratic message? I think. But I feel, to me personally, I feel like 
the the problem is that they had a fine message in 16 and now they're trying to go back and say well how do we rework it like the platform in my opinion is mostly fine that's not what that's not what low info voter but the it was never they lost more points not because of the platform they lost them because hillary clinton was a very flawed candidate who the majority of people didn't really love it's like she wasn't she wasn't what you need to combat a raving racist narcissist you need somebody who's also a raving something and she wasn't she's like a moderate centrist bureaucrat a lifelong bureaucrat who had a lot of baggage and 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 the party just overlooked it they just went okay we think it'll be fine they took they rolled the dice and they lost and i don't think it's a platform fault i think it's i think it's a candidate flaw you're hitting hitting on why i'm ultimately pessimistic it's because at the end of the day we need to look to the democrats to try to save us and the democrats are still you got cuomo endorsing this is you we need you we need you to talk to your people and like get it together man well no you i mean you you're right though you've got you've got the the dnc uh is endorsing cuomo in new york which is like like preliminarily they're already in a primary and they're in the head of the dnc's like already it's it's all garbage but anyway sorry shinga yes i think you also guys i think that democrats like the messaging game needs to be stepped up you know i read some reports two weeks ago something saying that they're talking to some hollywood folks now because they do messaging in movies and whatnot they want to help out the democrats with their messaging Trump and the GOP, their messaging, regardless of what you think about them, their messaging is pretty darn effective, guys. Yeah. Because you've fear. got everything you've got, is yeah. dangerous, and Democrats yeah, want to ruin Trump, your life. You've got yeah. Trump that will blast it out there. Then you've got you're driving in your car, and Media. Yep. Rush Limbaugh is going to be blasting it out there. Then you've got the Republican House that's going to back the hell out of him, right? You got Twitter and bots. Then, Bart, and then Bart, you got yeah. Fox. He's got his own media station that's going to, you know, back him up too. So, like, you're, you're getting it from every single corner mm-hmm. with them. And they're on it. The The machine is a lot yep. more... And Republican well voters fall in line. Republican voters fall in line a yeah. lot easier than Democrats. That's the ultimate too. problem. Is and politicians. That we, Democrats don't fall in line. You have all these people, I mean... If Jill Stein voters don't play spoiler, if like the Bernie bros don't play spoiler. More more Bernie voters came to Hillary than more than Hillary voters came to Obama. Oh sure. So don't beat up on the Bernie bros too. I'm bad. just saying like I'm just saying like at some point you have to recognize that there's a something broader than your like pissed off internet rage. It's like yeah. you have a literal threat against our institution of government and existence, like an existential threat. And you're over here complaining and saying that Jill Stein is not a spoiler, like Go screw yourself. So, Shingai, what can people in Hawaii do? You know, we're 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 far away from the border. We're far away from Washington D.C. What's your advice? How can we, on immigration, on everything? How can we get involved? How can we help? Um, I I think you know what normally would say, hey, call your congresswoman or your congressional delegation. But uh, here in Hawaii, I think we're just very fortunate to have the members that we have representing us in D.C. Um, I think a lot of us come from somewhere else maybe mm-hmm. on the mainland getting in touch with your relatives who could have an impact on different races out there i think that's huge you know what i'm saying because we have to we have to put the emergency break up in 18 guys if we can't win the house and then the senate i mean it's, it's gonna now get reversed bad. Yeah. you know we've got so many seats in the senate to defend in 2020 I mean, you know the incumbent man 
Uh, I mean, if we, if we if, can't put the emergency brake on Donald Trump in 2018, we're screwed. Yeah. yeah. I mean, well, because at that point, it's essentially there. He's going to read it if he hasn't already. I mean, he's going to read it regardless of the this way. He's going to read it as a mandate to yeah. to go even harder. You need to check him. We We need him to think about his way forward, you know, going into 19 and whatnot. And we have to win the House. Guys. Preliminary results are looking good. I mean, the generic ballot, we're up 10 percent. You've got. Democrats winning special elections all over the country and they're taking back Republican seats. And but we're but still so far away we're, from we're far away. <laughs> November, I mean, right? And the whole summer and they're already they're already broadcasting it is you remember the the Willie Horton ad that George H.W. Bush put out? The whole summer that is gonna be completely changed the election. It's right gonna there. be Willie Horton with yeah. MS thirteen. Yeah. The, and, it's gonna and, be pictures and, of scary dudes with face tattoos saying Nancy Pelosi this is Nancy, you, Nancy Pelosi you started to see it just what yep. yesterday Trump was talking with uh, parents who uh, whose kids were killed by you yeah. know immigrants exactly what the Nazis did with yeah. Jews and uh, that Willie Norton video was so effective because yeah. what who was that Dukakis yeah Dukakis was, Dukakis was, was way up yeah. and that ad completely changed that election yeah. and history forever never underestimate the power of racial panic in the United States to drive elections or anything yeah, and people feel in the demographics to, to be fair yeah. were a lot different back then yeah i mean the demographics are favoring progressive causes now we need to show up and yeah. we need to vote that's another big thing is we need, need to show people. up and you know the midterms which makes me scared is like most mm -hmm. people don't show up during the midterms no, but fox news voters will show up they will show up yeah. rush limbaugh voters they, will they show believe up. the future of america is at stake yeah. well it is they're the only Quite ones who literally. acknowledge it Quite literally, yeah. yeah. So, um, Shingai, you know, and what makes your story unique? And we spend a lot of time when we talk the immigration narrative in this country and, you know, coming from Texas, you've seen it with the border. Uh, we focus on Mexico and Central America, what's coming onto the southern border. Um, you came from Zimbabwe. Um, I guess I thought this was just going to be one question. Now it's two, I guess. Can you talk about what we, we miss when we focus just on the southern border and on no other parts of immigration? And two, can you talk a little bit about, um, you know, for, for, for our listeners who may be curious, you know, Zimbabwe has been in the news a lot. They're going through some transitions. And you mentioned coming here, discovering the American political system. Can you just talk a little bit about, just share your, just share your thoughts, basically. Um, first off, thanks for that question. That's an important question. I mean, uh, first off, um, people, always, people do focus on the southern border yeah. and... Mexico and El Salvador, Honduras and uh, Guatemala. Um, I think everybody needs to pick up the book. I read this book in college. It's called Enrique's Journey. Enrique's mom lives in LA and is a maid. Uh, Enrique lives somewhere in Central America. Enrique says this is enough. He's living with his grandma back in Central America. He says he's a young kid. Yeah. He's like, this is enough. I miss my mom. I want to go see my mom. Enrique embarks on this journey after his mom tells him not to get on this journey. He embarks on this journey from Central America all the way up through Mexico. I, I don't know if y'all ever heard about the death train. Yeah, People lose limbs. People get raped. People get yeah. robbed. So much stuff happens in those towns. You kind of hop on. It's hop literally off. a train that runs yeah. from the south of Mexico to the north of Mexico. And people will ride on top of it and die of heat stroke, die of exhaustion. And like you said, there's obviously the many sundry dangers of being a traveling migrant and just l l being on a freaking like cargo train because it's not a passenger train no, it, it does not stop really it, people hop on and off jeez so i mean this is a 
difficult, difficult journey that people are taking. And this is normally people that are just desperate for something else. Because people come to America and they send money back home, yeah. either build a home or sending money for clothes or tuition or whatnot. And it's just a difficult journey for people to come. I think people were, I mean, the whole thing about the border crisis that's happening right here, or we want to deter, we're going to separate your families because we want to deter you from coming here. Um, I don't think people understand that people are so desperate that yeah. this plan isn't going to work. No. It's like the this thing that's been going on Facebook. You know, it's yeah. kind of a, a cliche meme, but it's totally on point. It's this yeah. quote: "Like no parent puts their child into a boat unless the water is safer than land." Yeah. So I haven't seen that. That's pretty freaking powerful. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, you have people coming in through the southern border, crossing the crossing the river and over there in Texas, and I've been in that border area, yeah. McAllen. You know, I, I used to go back when things were different. My youth group, we used to go to Mexico every year at Torrenosa and um, and do vacation Bible school, you know, and then we used to come back. That's a popular, uh, like, conservative Christian, like, do Bible school yep. and build, like, one Habitat for Humanity house mission trip destination. Yep. And what's so crazy is that they're like, they go over there and they're like, let me tell you about Jesus and how good everything is over in America. And they're like, okay, great. And then they're like, we want to come with you. And they're like, Nah, screw you. <laughs> sorry, sorry about it. No, 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 that, no. That's an important point. It's like you'll go over there and like like minister to these children and to these adults and like help them and be like, "We love you. You're a Christian now. Oh my God, you're so good." And they're like, "Well, can we come with?" And they're like, "No, you're not American. You can't come with us." And like, well, what if we just cross over and you didn't tell me? We're like, Mm-mm. I "We'll a, send you back." I was a stranger and you welcomed me. Something about that? Does that sound? I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. So, so uh, a big part of the undocumented population does flow through the southern borders and we can actually go back to past administrations and actually see the reasoning of why um if we want to go back down and you know back into history the, the media doesn't talk about this people don't talk about this a lot um but past administrations took over land mm -hmm. in central america basically stole the land and, you know we would never do that in america shangai <laughs> that can't be true fake news <laughs> For people sure? in power and you know a lot of these people lost their land and now need to survive somehow and they've been coming here for a long time people don't tell that story right another uh, uh, the second part to your qu first question was um the answer is 40 percent of the undocumented population here in america comes in legally wow through a port of entry yeah. so that's the airport or whatever people come they get stamped they get let in and most people come for school, overstay. People come on a visitor's visa and overstay, whatnot. So that's that's how it happens. Um, second part to your question. Uh, your other question was about Zimbabwe. Um, Zimbabwe has been through a rough decade plus. Yeah. Um, just economically and just human rights wise and everything. And uh, obviously, you know that we had a president, Mugabe, was there for 35 years plus and uh there was just a change recently um i think the only way that i think as a, as a zimbabwean zimbabweans right now i think i think we're optimistic of the future it's a it's it's an amazing country it's a beautiful country so many bright people in zimbabwe i think africa too has the youngest population like yeah in the world and I think the only way we can we can only be optimistic of the future. Um, things, I'm not on the ground. 
people view things differently, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, there's elections coming up. It's going to be Zano PF and MDC coming up uh, July 30th, I believe. Um, I think people are optimistic of how the elections are going to be controlled this time around. Um, because it's be the first time in a while that you can say that, right? Like, I think for a lot of people in Zimbabwe, yeah, because you're going to have observers. I think I just read this morning, actually, that EU observers are about to head down to Zimbabwe, you know, for the next month or so to just kind of observe how the po political system goes. But I, I just hope that there's no violence. I hope yeah. that every man, woman can be able to, like, vote safely and that we could be able to get the results in the appropriate time and you know, the results are fair. And from then on, like, let's move forward as one nation and turn the country around. So um, April 30th, I mean, July 30th, I'll be looking out for that and um, just hoping the best for Zimbabwe because it has so much potential. And yeah, I just wish the best for uh, the motherland, homeland. When was the last time you went back to visit? Last time I was in Zimbabwe was on a, when I was on a flight out of Zimbabwe to come to the States. For the first time? I haven't been back since I was 13. Since I left, I have not been back. Why not? Because I just can't. Um, just with my situation right here and like many others here in the U.S. in my situation, um, you can't go back. If you go back, you can't come back to the United States. So what that really means is that you have a lot of family you haven't seen in decades for me. Um, speaking of, this is my 20th year in the States this year. Wow. Um, so there's people I haven't seen for over 20 years. There have been close family members who have passed away and you can't go back. Shingai, you know, this is your 20 years in America. This is 4th of July, our, our birthday. Uh, any final thoughts on, I guess, your 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 adopted country and what, what we're going through right now and anything you'd like to share? Um, well, happy 4th of July to everybody. Hopefully you're having a great 4th and a safe one too. Um, I'm grateful for the opportunities that have been afforded here. Um, I've learned a lot about this country uh, over the 20 years that I've been here. Um, it's been one hell of a roller coaster for me in this country so many different emotions and whatnot. But um, right now, a lot of my best friends are here. Um, my life is here. Um, and on this day, I'm just grateful to be here and just grateful to be able to do what I do day in, day out. Um, and I look forward to what the future holds. But uh, just want to give a shout out to everyone out there and happy fourth. We're glad you're here too, Shingai. Shingai Messiah, Blue Hawaii Podcast. Hawaii. Shout outs. Let's do some. Are you first? Shout out to Hawaii's all-time greatest high school baller, Derek Lowe, on his new basketball venture, the Hawaii Development League. Rob DeMello had the story for KHON News, saying that after a triumphant 41-year run in the islands, the Hawaii Collegiate Summer Basketball League is getting an HD upgrade as the league is being rebranded and operated as the Hawaii Development League, which tips off later this month. For more, check out www.thehdleague.com. And according to league director, former Washington State, current European basketball guard, and Iolani legend Derek Lowe, expect the best of the best from Hawaii alongside current and former professionals from around the world. Speaking of best and best summer league, I want to give a shout out to Iolani alumni basketball summer league, specifically my team, Two Scoops Rice. 
So what's your guys' record? Oh, and something. Okay. We we play with a lot of heart. Um, yeah. We play with a lot, a lot of, of passion. Points. No, um, my team love them all. To, love them all dearly. Uh, it's sort of like we're sort of like the Golden State Warriors. If the Golden State Warriors couldn't make any threes. Okay. But like my like I'll be in the it'll be me in the paint and then those four boys they just keep they keep raining them. Who's uh, who's aggressively chewing their mouth guard? Nobody has a mouth guard, but uh. I guess. Well, you know Makohatsu. Maybe Makohatsu. Shout out to Makohatsu if he's yeah. listening. He's probably not. Um, played the whole game on Wednesday night because uh, only five of us showed up and there were no substitutes. Okay. And I didn't die. So I'm proud of that. Um, I want to give another shout out to the Dallas Mavericks picking up two potential European studs. One number one pick. Or not, what should have been the number one pick. Uh, Luka Doncic from Real Madrid via Slovenia. I'll forgive Real Madrid this once for their basketball team, not their soccer team. Uh, and also, the Greek freak's little brother, uh, Kostas Antetokounmpo, is coming to the Mavs, too. So if he has... Do you think it's going to be a Steph-Seth situation? If he has, like, one half of his brother's freakish athleticism, he'll be a, a serviceable NBA player. So True. I can live with it. Uh, Shingai, anything you'd like to give a shout-out to? I just want to give a shout-out to you two. Y'all are doing oh, an amazing job out here. We asked so him to do that. Josh and Ryan, man, shout-out to both of you. Mahalo for having me here this morning. And uh, hey, if you haven't been here, you need to come to the basement. This, this is, is where it's, where it's happening, at. Baby. This is it's where it's at. It's a little happening. warm. Yeah. But the also, vibes are cool. Also, one more sh shout out to the. Actually, we'll save that for the restaurant shout outs. Now, Shingai, we asked this of everybody. Wait, wait. I got another shout out. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm shout sorry. out to the Red Hen. <laughs> oh, yes. The Red Hen. I read about this yeah. this morning. Shout out to the Red Hen in Lexington, Virginia. For refusing to serve Sarah Huckabee Sanders, and also shout out to all the Mexican restaurants in Washington that DSA is actively chasing members of the Trump administration out. These of. people should not be able to do the racist crap they do in peace, and it's really encouraging to see yeah. that people in those places of power are acknowledging yeah. that and are forcing them to own the public humiliation that they should own. And before you come after us with like, oh, typical intolerant liberals, you know, Josh, you no one's going to come after us with that. None of our listeners do. That's that. true. But like, why, how is this any different than like you saying the cake, blah, 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 like baking the cake for the gay couple. Like, yes. Uh, choosing to go work and earn a salary lying for a racist demagogue is not the same as being gay or lesbian. You remember when it was when it was a bridge too far to say that Sarah Huckabee Sanders like had nice eyeshadow. That she had nice eyeshadow. That and was the a joke liar. was that she she lied for a politician, which is like a really innocuous, pretty tame political joke. <sighs> but then it was totally okay to be like, see those kids over there, cage them. Paula Dean Goebbels strikes again. Okay, Shingai, we ask all our guests the most important question. Uh, you got to give us your number one favorite all-time restaurant recommendation for Hawaii, specifically Honolulu. And we can broaden it out. Uh, we've asked all sorts of things like if you've got a friend coming into town, uh, if you've got like date night, you want to impress the lady friend, uh, if you want best bang for your buck, all sorts of, so it can be as many or as few or just one if you want. Um, but who are you shouting out restaurant-wise? uh restaurant shout outs for me i gotta keep it nct guys because okay. i love ct i live nct and that's where i play most of the time so um this one's pretty easy um pick the lady okay a good one lady for me ct means chinatown everybody yeah I, that took me a second too it took I'm me like, a while i'm like oh shingai's got the lingo i'm, not, the I'm not up on this all right what are you getting at picking the lady oh man all sorts of stuff there man the 
uh, the fried wings are usually mm. a go-getter there for me. A lot of their drinks are on point, guys. Uh, just the vibe. Like guys, the vibe. if you have people from out of town or wherever, you, you got friends here. Just get together, get a big table, a pig and a lady, and just have a ball, man. The atmosphere is just amazing there. Uh, another shout out, he's recently moved from Chinatown, but my uh, friend of mine, Brian, he owned the scratch which was on smith street great brunch spot yeah i think he's now in the ward area yep that's um, right. he's in shout out to him check out uh the brunch game out there i think he's open for dinner and lunch and everything now so uh shout out to scratch and brian and uh everyone there for what they've been doing and uh we miss you and ct brian and the scratch team i'm Come also like a shout out to uh my acupuncturist yeah Dr. Yi. Dr. Yi. Down in Chinatown. His, he's at the sign. It says Fuk Sao Tong. And uh, the guy's been doing acupuncture for like, like I think a legitimate 75 years. And you go in there, he fixes you right up, man. My back was hurting. I feel great now. He like, he's so good, you don't even feel the needles go in. And it's like, I think it's 40 bucks, 40 bucks cash. But how's his, how's his food? Well, his wife sells herbs, if that's what you're getting at. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I was thinking, you know, we're talking about. Also, it, uh, we've, we're officially over time. It's 1141. Can I give one more shout out? We yeah, give man. one more shout out. One more shout we'll out. Him, okay. We'll There's this new spot that I've discovered in CT. Uh, Listeners, for those of you who may not be in the know, uh, CT stands for Chinatown. Chinatown. We that's, said right. It in- that's right. So oh, that was a joke. <laughs> I was like, I literally just said that. <laughs> okay. All right. What else you got? Yeah. There's this place called Wing. Okay. Um, it's this ice cream joint. Spell it. Uh, wing. W-I-N-G. Okay. Um, it's this ice cream joint. You can also have shave ice over there. Um, it's relatively new, about two months old or so. I'm forgetting the street that it's on. Shame on me. But um, yeah, check out Wing if you're in CT for dinner or whatever. Um, after dinner, walk over to Wing, get you some shave ice or some ice cream or sorbet or whatever. Um, one more shout out. Okay. Mike. Uh, on Mauna Kea, yep. um, my go-to smoothie joint is called Mai's. Mai um, has fresh fruit. M-A-I? M-A-I. Okay. Uh, in between, yeah, she's on Mauna Kea. This is before. the street, not the mountain. Yep, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so check out Mai's smoothies on point. Perfect. I love it. Uh, I want to give a shout out. A couple weeks ago, uh, Sura Korean Barbecue, all you can eat. We had a friend of the show, Elise Takashige. Shout out, Elise. Shout out her. Uh, she's probably not listening. Doesn't matter. Um, and then we went salsa dancing at Buho in Waikiki, which had uh, great, um, what's the word? What's that? The, the wine with the booze in it. What? Sangria. Sangria. That's the word. Why can't I remember that? Yeah. Uh, and then we did, I learned how to salsa dance, which was something. It was I'm fun. going to shout out Tenkai Pen Ramen on Kapahulu Avenue as being my favorite ramen joint on this whole earth. On God's green earth. It is so good. Uh, it's at the corner of Kapahulu and Mo'oheo. It's owned by a... Uh, Japanese guy who has a really popular TV show of which I'm not sure the name. Uh, oh, it's the one on OC 16. Yeah. The travel show. Yeah. Shout out to him. I don't know the show. I don't know the I name, know but he's a, he seems but like a cool he, uh, he makes a really good bowl of ramen and I go in there and get the, I think it's black garlic noodles and it is like unbelievable and you can get fried rice for like three fifty extra and that stuff's dope. So anything else? Uh, just one last time. Uh, Shingai, Shout out to you. Thank you for coming on and sharing your story with us. Happy 4th of July. We're glad you're here. If ice ever comes, you can stay at my house. At my house too. Like Listeners, organize the resistance. We'll put it together. Yeah. The underground starts here in the basement. This will be headquarters. 
Thank you so much, guys. That means a lot. Josh, Ryan, thank you for having me, guys. It's been a blast. Shingai Masia, ladies and gentlemen. Blue Hawaii Podcast. Blue Hawaii. Turning on my love and the stones, turning on my nights and the days.